census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Comeback of Throwdown Thursday, episode 327. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here broadcasting from the uh, Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And uh, I, of course, am not here by myself. I can't have a triumphant return on my own. I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is... The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé. She is the real housewife of Transylvania. She is uh, the Michael Phelps of wine. She is the Queen of the Monsters and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes by Nightmare. She is so happy to be back. She is Knuff. <laughs> I am Knuff. And uh, after uh, a couple days after this airs, you will be... A first-time director. I am. Uh, we have so much to catch you guys up on. Yeah, like, there's a lot going so, on so, here. So, 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 so much. There are so many moving parts, so many things happening. I don't plan on sleeping until... March. The earliest. Um, we are so busy. So many exciting things that we just cannot wait to share with you. And one of the things that you know I really want to impress upon you guys is that the reason that we have been uh, gone so long is that there has been a lot that's been happening. So the last time we talked to you was sometime in October, uh, mid-October, shortly after uh, Ash's birthday. We had just come back from spending uh, the the weekend at um, Monster Expo. Expo, And... um, that was a really good time because we got to see a lot of our friends and several of our friends who hadn't seen it finally got to see uh, my debut film, which played at Happenstance Horror Fest, which was part of uh, part of Monster Expo. And uh, a couple weeks later, it turns out that we won the Audience Choice Award and received a plaque in the mail. Had no idea it was coming. Just got something in the mail, opened it up, and there it was. And you like us. You really like us. It was really cool. There were like 50 other movies that people could have chosen, but instead they chose ours, and it was uh, one of the coolest things. Uh, I was so excited that we uh, we got recognized for our hard work, and, uh, and it wasn't just you know, any award, it was the audience choice award. Like you watched all these movies and you voted for us. Like so cool. Um, I, I, I was so honored. Um, what else have we been up to since then? Well, we've been planning or part of this 
planning committee uh, planning this huge event that's going to take place in Worcester the end of February. Yes, uh, we have been uh, not only uh, filming with and working with It Came From The 508 Productions and our good friend Jimmy Lambs, but uh, we have been uh, putting together, and tickets just went on sale this past Sunday, putting together a horror festival with films and vendors and whatnot, because uh, it's not, I don't I don't want to call it a convention. We don't have celebrity guests. This is really just a celebration of New England horror um, at Mechanics Hall in Worcester, called Dead of Winter, and it's amazing. Uh, you will hear a commercial uh, for it during uh, this episode, um, and it really all came about because of um, you know. You know, to borrow somebody else's uh, film festival title, because of happenstance, uh, I'm part of a lot of different film groups, and someone posted that they were looking for a director, and we're going to hold interviews and auditions for directors, and I shared it with a bunch of people, I'm like, oh, you guys should check it out, and someone was like, why don't you just try? I'm like, ah, I can't try. Like, I, I've only, I've only done one thing. Like, you know, I can't do. Then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. What's the worst that happens? You know, uh, our good friend uh, Sir Isaac said, you know, hey, worst case, you can always say that you were considered for, you know, this big budget. Well, I'd say big budget, $2 million uh, budget film. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll put that on my resume. That sounds good. And uh, I formed a relationship with John who was is the executive producer of this film, the gentleman with whom I interviewed. Um, it was supposed to be an hour-long interview. It ended up going almost two hours, and uh, we've become friends since then. And when James was like, hey, we should, we should do something. I really want to do something. How can we do it? Where can we do it? I was like, let me reach out to John. Let's see if he knows anything. And between him and James, uh, they put together this incredible uh, uh, horror festival and got all these different people involved and between all the connections that we had and the connections that James had and the connections that John has, like, we're able to put this amazing thing together and uh, we're we're super excited. Uh, Ashes Film which we are directing in a couple of days, or she is directing, I'm sorry, we are filming in a couple of days. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm very excited. Uh, is going to be uh, premiering at this festival. Excuse me, sir. That has not even been announced yet. I guess this is a throwdown Thursday first. You hear it here first. Yeah, so um, on Sunday, not Sunday, Saturday. Yes. On Saturday, I will be making my directorial debut. I am not only writing and directing, but I am starring and doing a bunch of other stuff uh, in my first film. I am so incredibly nervous, excited, intimidated, just, just this whole... Scare-roused. Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. This whole just like amalgamation of, of all of these different, you know, feelings and emotions. And I'm, I'm so just... Uh, genuinely thrilled beyond thrilled this is unlike anything i have ever done before and i'm really doing the process from start 
to finish. And let me tell you, when I say it's hard work, it is hard fucking work. And this is just for a short film, a short three to five minute film. Like, you know, working on Patsy's film was a lot of hard work. That was a lot of preparation, you know, uh, months and weeks of planning and physical preparation, all for, uh, what, three to four hour filming To make a five minute and 15 second film. Right. So, you know, and then when you're, when you're the director, when you're the writer, you know, you have so many more things that you are responsible for. Uh, and it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult, um, trying to take the thoughts, like your, your vision, the vision that you have in your head, like, I want to do this and, and putting it down on paper and then trying to figure out, is this doable? With the materials that I have, can I make this happen? Can I get this specific shot? If not, what can I do? So there's a there's a lot of problem solving involved, too, that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Uh, so you're really using all parts of your brain, not just the creative pro- part, but, you know, the logistic problem solving part of your brain. Analytical. Yeah, you know, to, to really figure things out and ensure that you are going to be able to, you know, do what you set out to do. Do and accomplish what you hope to accomplish so it's 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 so cool like it is so cool um and the fact that you know it, we're definitely kind of under the gun as far as you know getting it filmed and edited and i think everything should be all set ready to go at least a almost finished product uh to premiere at the dead of winter horror festival uh festival um, in Worcester at Mechanics Hall on February 25th. So I'm so incredibly excited. And we didn't even mention we're hosting the event. Yes. <laughs> Which is we are hosting so the event. So much fun. Um, and there are a lot of surprises in store. You don't even know the half of it because we can't tell you. You'll have to find out when you get there. So it's uh, it's it's been such a ride planning the my film and this film festival um and your next project which just kind of fell in our lap yeah so uh i recently joined a a small little uh film collective called uh fun size films and um basically it's like a bunch of us that like to you know we're all filmmakers but we're looking to learn how to do some new things uh like i helped uh on uh, on one in December called Fake and I was the boom operator which was totally new to me I'd never done uh, so that was a new experience and that's what all of this is about and we had a pitch meeting in uh, January and it was all about you know some upcoming projects for the next or for the first six months of this year and my project is going to be first uh, so I'm actually filming it the day before Dead of Winter, which is going to be wild. Um, but, you know, between working on that, working on Ash's film, uh, 
I have been cast as Jesus in a short film. Oh, yeah, I didn't even talk about that. We're also in pre-production on another project where we both have parts in front of the camera instead of behind. So that's also like really fucking cool. Um, and we're in the process of gearing up to fundraise for a project that we filmed the proof of concept for back in November with it came from the 508 Productions. Which you will see the premiere of at... Uh, Dead of Winter. Which, again, has there not been announced four... yet, so Patsy's just spilling the tea on everything today. Listen, there's, uh, there are a lot of premieres that are happening, and we're very excited for it. Um, but yeah, I, I got cast as Jesus and something else. I'm going to be doing voiceover for another project. I'm ADing on another project, and on yet another project, I am production manager. So there's like a hundred different things that I've got going on right now. So there's a ton of irons in the fire, and it's just like, I'm kind of excited to just get yours over with so we can be like, all right, it's filmed, now we can work on editing. Okay, and then it's like, let's get mine done with so we can just work on editing. And like, let's, you know, I, I love the fact that we're doing this and we have so much going on. I just kind of wish it was spread out just instead of like, more. not all in like, <laughs> You know, just a few week period. You know, obviously we're bringing the podcast back now. You've got a new podcast. I was just going to say, <laughs> tell the kids at home, uh, in case you didn't know, and this has been in the works for a long time too, the first episode of the Living Dead Ghouls podcast has officially and finally dropped. Uh, it dropped this past Tuesday. It is available where all fine podcasts are found. And yeah, it's a passion project of myself and Scarlett Oscara of uh, Oscara Art and the Oscara Podcast. Uh, Mandy Strange, who is a cosplayer, uh, special effects artist, um, and from the That Strange Show podcast. And Alyssa V, who is pretty well known uh, in the indie scene, you know, doing uh, makeup on film. She was our lead in Patrick's film. Um, and if you've been to a convention, you've seen her. She's pretty much everybody's booth bitch, like she's just phenomenal at what she does uh, such a people person so so yeah so you know it's interesting to have you know us four women four different backgrounds in the new england horror scene coming together to do a podcast and uh yeah so the first the first episode is definitely a first episode of a show <laughs> But uh, bear with us. I mean, and and so with Throwdown Thursday, Patrick has always done all the production stuff and whatnot. I'm learning it and I'm doing it for Living Dead Ghouls. So it's a complete women owned and operated podcast, which I think is just so fucking awesome. So um, so, yeah, so bear with us over the first couple of episodes while we kind of get our bearings and I learn which buttons to press and which buttons to not press, which is a uh, which is definitely something that i learned right off just the bat. as important <laughs> definitely learned that oh yeah don't pray don't press that button oops um so yeah so a lot of really cool stuff coming up a lot of stuff that we're really excited to share with you a lot of art from our friends that we're really excited to share with you as well uh and it just feels really good to be back yeah it's it's nice, like, we kept, like, oh, would you want to do it this time? Do we want to do it this time? Do we, like... We wanted to make sure that we were 
our best. Yeah, we we we've been tired. We've, we've been made, cranky. Yeah, say we've made. Yeah, he's tired. I'm cranky. Um, you know, we've been we've been wanting to come back for so long, but we wanted to make sure that we were giving you the best possible versions of ourselves in order to do that. And you know, as a side note, like it is so important to take breaks as people. It is so important to engage in self care, whether it be taking a nap or taking an almost six month hiatus from your podcast. You know, like you do what you need There's to only do. Four. Well, October 19th to now, it's four months. Okay, four. Well, anyways, um, you know, it's it's important to do what you need to do in order to take care of yourself. You know, like Marshawn Lynch said, you got to take care of your mentals and you got to take care of y'all's chickens. I don't have any chickens to take care of, so that's pretty easy. So, um, but yeah, we've got uh, a lot in store for you this year. Um, you know, new interviews, new, uh, uh, new topics of conversation, you know, some, uh, some interesting insights. Like we've got a couple of, uh, episodes coming up about some incredible, uh, Oscar nominated films. And, uh, we can talk a little bit about what went on behind the scenes, uh, for the production on a couple of these too, as it's going to be really good. I'm very excited. Uh, but we need to get into character because we're 15 minutes in and we haven't gotten into character yet. So, Ashes, what are we talking about? So, today we are doing our typical year-end wrap-up where we are going to give you our top 10 characters of 2023. But before we do that, we are going to give you our top five films of 2023. And let me tell you, uh, there were a lot of good films that came out last year. Oh, yeah. Like, I went... We went to see a bunch, but I uh, I have my count of what I saw last year as far as... Uh, I watched 366 films, but as far as, like, new films, just new to me or new that came out this year, or this past year, I should say, uh, 126 features and 90 shorts. Uh, at one point, I watched 105, I think it was, straight... Uh, 103 consecutive uh, first time watches because I did this thing and we'll talk about this more in uh, uh, in the later part of the episode but uh, one of the things I tried last year is called uh, February where you watch a new movie that you've never seen doesn't necessarily have to have been something that just came out but a movie you've never seen one for every letter of the alphabet um, I didn't quite get there but I went through from February 1st until, like, May 5th, just brand new movies I'd never seen. Um, and there's some there's some good stuff uh, in there, and we're going to talk about uh, what my plan is for this February. If you want to join in, you can help. Um, but, yeah, so our top five films. So start with number five for you so my number five film uh came out towards the latter half of 2023 i did not have the opportunity to see this in theaters but i have watched it twice at home and am really itching to watch it a third time and probably more uh it's saltburn 
I cannot get enough of Saltburn. It was absolutely bizarre in the most best way. And, you know, watching it a second, I watched it twice within a week because I just could not get that taste out of my mouth and I needed to watch it again. Um, it is so just, uh, if you've seen the memes, you know, if you, well, and obviously if you've seen it, you know too, but like if you've seen the memes and stuff going around, like you, you know, um, Jacob Alordi's bathwater is for sale and via like candles and I don't know, as a douche or something. Um, but anyway, it's like, this film was it was beautiful and weird and the storytelling was done in such a way where you kind of question yourself throughout it because you think you know what's happening but then you're like maybe not well maybe probably not well maybe oh that's it you know it's one of those films that kind of plays cat and mouth mouse with you a little bit um, I couldn't get enough of it. I, and, and that end scene, that, oh, God. You know, I think Barry Keoghan is quite the actor. Um, I loved him in The Banshees of Inishirin. I thought that his character was just, you know, a, met such a tragic end. Um, but there was such an innocence that he brought to that character. And there's something about him that is just so charismatic and charming. Uh, so him portraying this character uh, was just, it, it was good. It was all just so good. I haven't seen Saltburn yet. Uh, I will. We will. Because, I will watch uh, no, it at because some point. Those are characters we absolutely have to talk about because they are worth talking about. But for me, my number five is another one that came out in 2023 that you did not get a chance to see yet. Uh, but there's two other ones you have to watch first. But for me, uh, A Haunting in Venice. Uh, I enjoyed this. This had a phenomenal cast. Uh, everybody was excellent. Um, it's the, uh, Kenneth Branagh film where he plays Hercule Poirot. Uh, it's the third murder on the Orient Express and, um, uh, death on the Nile are the other two. So there's, this is the third one in the, in the series. I don't know if they're going to do another one, uh, but there's plenty of Hercule Poirot, uh, source material from Agatha Christie so they could keep going but it's one of those he wrote I think he didn't write but he uh directed and starred in it so he's been doing a a really good job with all of these I've found um but this is the most recent one and so that's number five for me so number four for me is actually a film that we saw at a film festival this past summer and we just fell in love with it. I can't remember the last time I laughed that hard at a film, especially. Um, and it was just absurd, but like with undertones of just so much heart. Um, disorienting Dick. Which is also my number four. Oh, is it? Yes. <laughs> So let's talk about it. Uh, the characters are fantastic. I definitely think that think that they are characters worth discussing. At and a if later you date. like doodles, you are gonna love this movie. <laughs> like you get full frontal male nudity I in the first say, few minutes. There's a lot of full frontal friends, especially happening. with the wordplay. You know, they're they're talking about like, you know how 
you know, Dick is a nickname for Richard, and like one of the first lines, well, how do you get Dick from Richard? And the lead character is like, you ask nicely. Like, that shit's funny to me. Like, that's super funny, and like, that was the tone of the film. Have you ever watched something that's just so cleverly written that you just kind of linger on the wordplay? Like, it just kind of dances around you, and you're just, just... You just sit there and take it all in because you're having such a good time with it. That's this film. Yeah, like it's um, it's funny, it's charming, it's got heart. Uh, there's nothing I can say bad about this film. Uh, I enjoyed it so much, uh, and we're gonna have to watch it again. And we will be uh, we will be. Um, discussing these characters and one of the best things is uh we became friends with the director richard mar griffin who that's the voiceover work that i'm going to be doing because his next project pansy vision is going to be just amazing uh it's going to be a youtube series that uh releases in april so definitely uh keep an eye out for that one so what's number three for you number three on my list is the holdovers yeah, that's uh, that's on my list too. It's a little higher on well, my then, list. So if it's on your list, I will hold off talking about it. But it's a it's a very solid number three on my list. Um, my number three is Barbie, which is probably higher on your list. Barbie is your number three. Yes, Barbie is number three. Barbie is number mm -hmm. three. Yeah, don't give me that. Mm -hmm. I really, really <laughs> liked it. Um, I'm just trying to think of what two movies were better than the holdovers for you, but um, Barbie is on my list, so we can, I know we can Barbie hold is on, on your list. On discussing that yes. later. So, what's your number two then? Godzilla minus one. God, that's my number two. <laughs> All right, so Barbie's number one for you. We swapped Barbie and holdovers. <laughs> so let's we can let's talk about okay. Let's talk about Godzilla. Then we'll talk about holdovers. See, and then... we're going to be discussing. Holdovers and Barbie in the next couple of episodes. We don't have to get into too, too much detail. Uh, but Godzilla Minus One, this is something that when I saw the trailer for it and I saw the announcement, I lost my mind because it looked just fucking amazing. It really got that original Godzilla like vibe to it. But then... When you have Godzilla as a character, this is like a lot of people compare it to Jaws, especially for that one scene that's in the ocean where he's mm -hmm. chasing after the boat. That makes sense. But this is the first time um, that Godzilla isn't just like stomping through the city and like causing collateral damage because he's so big. He is actively targeting humans uh, with everything that he does. And, again, this is another one we're going to discuss. But this film, it was only the second time I ever cried at the end of a Godzilla movie. The first time was Godzilla 1985 when he fell into a volcano because I was eight, uh, six years old at the time. I saw it in 1987, and I didn't realize that Godzilla was fucking unstoppable and the volcano was just a minor inconvenience. I thought he died. I didn't realize there were... 30-something Godzilla films at that point. But this movie was so good. And normally, I could not care less about the human element 
in a Godzilla movie. I just want to see big monsters punch each other. But this was done so well that I I couldn't help it. Like this was I actually gave a damn about these characters. So have you ever cried at a film but didn't realize you were crying because you were so engrossed in the story and what was going to happen next that you weren't paying attention to your own emotions or the faces that you were making or anything until the credits started rolling and you were like, oh, I'm, why are my eyes wet? <laughs> I might be crying. Um, that was me with this film. It's just, it was so beautifully done and the heartbreak and the hardship of everything and you know we all know what Godzilla symbolizes and really focusing on the people and the try, them trying to rebuild their society and deal with the aftermath of what happened with with the bomb and it's kind of poetic that it came out after Oppenheimer too yeah this is the uh, uh, sequel you know, um, it, it really is kind of bizarre, the timing of, of everything and how they were released. But um, but anyways, uh, you know, you really feel for these people and then you add in the Godzilla aspect. And I have never seen a more terrifying depiction of Godzilla. And it's not necessarily in his design, which the design is is crazy because you you see him go from smaller Godzilla to big Godzilla. Um you Yeah, know, and we'll definitely discuss right. that when we discuss the uh you know the the film. You know, um but it's the first time where you find yourselves actually rooting for the people. And rooting against the monster. Usually I'm Team Godzilla, destroy everything. But they did such a good job really humanizing these people that the path of destruction that Godzilla takes and the way that he does it and his absolute, complete, just lack of 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 like lack of regard for yeah, human life yeah you know just like doing shit because he can like generally you know, like he's you know he's usually the protector but like there's always going to be a lot of you know collateral damage when it comes to a godzilla battle and you know part of it is you know like cloverfield captured this fairly well where it's just like it's a giant monster walking in an environment that is not suited to handle a giant monster. Like city planners weren't like, all right, we need to have the streets 400 feet wide because, you know, he's going to walk around and whip his tail. No, it was, uh, he's just going through this town wrecking everything, but there's a reason behind it. It's almost it's he's not just a mindless beast like in Shin Godzilla. This is calculated, planned, thought out, uh, yeah, premeditated. Say, yep. Yep. He knows what he's doing and there's a reason he's doing it and, and I it's can't wait. Absolutely terrifying. I don't think we've really seen Godzilla like this ever. And to be completely honest with you, I think this is it just may be the best Godzilla film we've we've received. Oh, this date. is easily the best Godzilla film. And uh you know, again, I've watched 126 features this year and this is number 2 for me. 
So as far as how good uh, last year was. So let's talk about your number three and my obvious number one, which is Barbie. I loved this film so much. It has become my dopamine movie. I cannot tell. I just rewatched it yesterday. I was going to say, you watched it again yesterday <laughs> while you were finishing up your script. Right? Um, I saw it only twice in the theater. I had hoped to have seen it more. Um, but, you know, I managed to see it twice. Once with my sister, which was just an absolute... Uh, it warms my heart, the fact that I was able to, to share that with her. Um, I guess my mother finally watched it the other day and she didn't like it. So so that's a thing that I'm dealing with. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. She can she can stick to her Hallmark stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, it's just there's something about it that just really struck a chord with me. Um, the overall story itself, the evolution of the story and how it goes from being this super campy, fun, colorful film to kind of evolving into this film that's about so much more than just a doll. Yeah, it's and that's the thing that really bothered me because, and again, we'll be talking about this more in depth when it comes to uh, our actual discussion on this film in a couple of weeks, but Hollywood tends to take the wrong messages from successful films. And the first thing that they took from this was, oh, people like movies about toys. Quick, green light the Hot Wheels movie. It's like, oh, God, Which is exactly no. what we need. Um, didn't like, we get that with the Fast and the Furious at one point? Fast and the Furious and Cars combined is the Hot Wheels movie, I suppose. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, this isn't a movie about toys. This is a movie about, you know roles in society that's what this is about i've seen people categorize categorize it as a men versus women movie and that's not and that's what it not is it at all. um it's not at all it's how is it that in certain societies how do we fit together what is your role what am i with and without you that is what the the movie is about it's what can i accomplish on my own that I can share with you or what can I accomplish on my own and I don't need anyone else with me. You know, and it is about societal expectations and gender norms and, you know, they do kind of really hit the nail on the head with some of these, you know, subjects and subtexts and everything. Definitely the um, wording of certain scenes like, oh, do you mind if I play guitar at you? Like, 100%. Like, you know, I've seen guys do that, and I've seen girls like, oh, it's, could you? It's definitely, you know, social commentary. Can you start the movie best. over and talk through the entire thing? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, there are certain parts that just really struck a chord, like really just rang a bell with me. I don't yeah. understand why, because we have not watched uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Godfather, so... I don't know what you're talking about. Well, because you absolutely do not talk through any film at all. No, I talk through every movie. <laughs> like, for a while, at the beginning of our relationship, it was like, why do you always talk through the stuff I like? It's like, I talk through fucking everything. Like, how have you not noticed this? If everything. I really want to watch something, I will watch it with him, and then I will rewatch it by myself. Or you'll watch it by yourself and two or three times, and then watch it with me. Yes. Yes. Like, I was good with Barbie. I didn't talk through the whole thing. 
I enjoyed that film. It got to number three on my list. I'm sorry, but Barbie can't compete with Godzilla for me. <laughs> Barbzilla is like... Oh, my God! Barbzilla! That has to happen. Anyways... No, we saw so... thanks. We saw Thankzilla. Thankzilla, yes. Yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. But anyways, um, yeah, so we'll be elaborating more on Barbie when we actually cover her in a couple of weeks. But uh, let's talk about my number three and your number one, which is The Holdovers. Now, The Holdovers is, a, is one that, you know, if you followed me on social media at all, you'll, you'll know that that's something I worked on. I talked about it a whole shitload of times, um, you know, in 2022 – because I was very excited about that. Actually, two films that I worked on in 2022 came out in 2023, The Holdovers and uh, Finest Kind. Finest Kind did not was basically made for TV and did not garner nearly the uh, attention that The Holdovers has. Um, but, I mean, few films have. I mean, the, the Holdovers has been nominated for five Academy Awards, uh, one being... Uh, uh, best editing, best uh, screenplay, uh, best supporting actress, best actor, and best picture. Now, the two that I am really rooting for is are, are the acting awards because I think I'm very confident that Divine Joy Randolph is going to win for her portrayal of Mary Lamb. And I am really, really hopeful that Paul Giamatti wins uh, for his portrayal of Paul Hunnam. Because I was already a Giamatti fan before we watched, before I worked with him, and after working with him was just, uh, like, my opinion of him has skyrocketed. Um, so I'm really hoping that he gets a chance. I mean, watching this movie and, like, you know, I've watched it three times. We watched it. Uh, at the premiere at the Somerville Theater in in Cambridge, where we filmed part of it, uh, also where the uh, the after party was the rap party, which we'll talk about you know in the holdovers episode. So next Cause, week, because that's a, that's a fun story. <laughs> Spoiler alert: that's what we're talking about. There next are a week. lot of really fun stories that came out of that working on this film, but um, this. <sighs> We got to see it again. I watch it with my mom, and then we watch uh, we watch it Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. I knew it was one of those two. We watch it Christmas Day with your people. Then I watch it with my mom. I don't know if my brothers have watched it yet, but it's immaterial. Um, my only complaint, the only reason why this wasn't ranked higher on my list at number one, uh, the only reason why it wasn't ranked higher. <laughs> Uh, was it could have been one plus? Yes, uh, is because for whatever reason, uh, one of the things that we did uh, when we saw it was we were both watching the credits roll with our phones, and no one from the health and safety department uh, production assistant team is listed in the credits. I don't know how that happened. I don't know why that happened. And I'm really irritated. I was very angry and upset when the credits rolled all the way through and my name was not there. And as I told Ashes, I swear to God, I heard 
my dad sitting next to me go, oh, that's bullshit. I swear I heard that in my ear. Um, but it is what it is. I'm in the cast and crew photo, so there's that. Um, we did. I did pick up the uh, the Blu-ray special edition, Blu-ray collector's edition. Um, and again, I don't need to have my name in the credits. You know, like I know I worked on it. Again, I'm in the crew photo, but it would have been nice. Like it would. It would have. I was really looking forward to it. It's kind of like the end of the 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 Simpsons where uh, Bart thinks his mom bought him Bone Storm, and instead she got him Lee Carvalho's Putting Challenge. <laughs> so it's like you have to enjoy what you have, even though it's not quite what you wanted. But the movie was amazing. Um, again, we'll get into it more, but uh, yeah. I was like. I have a couple of things yeah, I'd like I to add. Um, yeah, so I didn't really know what to expect going into this film. All I knew was that Patrick worked on it and Paul Giamatti was in it. And, you know, I knew of some of the stories that he had told me from set. I didn't really look into it that much. I didn't know much about the story or who the characters were or really what it was about outside from, you know, it, it takes place at a school and, you know, it, it it's the, called The Holdovers because it's about these kids who are held over during Christmas break. Like, they're left behind. They couldn't go home to see their families and stuff. Um, the first time we saw it was at the crew uh, premiere at the Somerville Theater, where we had the opportunity to watch it on 35-millimeter film, which is honestly the perfect way to watch this film because it just adds to the vintage aesthetic of it. Um, you ever see a film... And you go into it relatively blind. You don't know what you're going to see. You don't know. You, you just, you, you're just there to see a film. And when the credits start rolling, you just shake your head and go, wow. Wow, that was good. That was this film for me. I, I did, and, and, you know, uh, maybe I'm a little biased because, you know, Patrick worked on it. But I feel like I would feel that way regardless. Uh, so much heart in this film and the way that the characters are portrayed and the way that they're written too everything is so subtle and so simple and so nuanced that everything looks effortless and i think that really is a is a like it's the acting and the talent that was brought to this film and I'm really looking forward to talking about this next week because these are some really interesting characters and I'm looking forward to to unpacking these characters and discussing them uh, because, again, there's a simple nature about them, but they're so complex as well. Uh, and I think that the, the, the portrayals were just... Again, it was just, everything was just so effortless. It was so effortless that it was such a joy to watch. You didn't have to struggle to watch it. You didn't have to, to try to figure things out. You didn't have to, you know, look for underlying meaning in something. You didn't have to read between the lines. It was just so effortless and enjoyable and nice. It was a really nice film. And the ending, like the takeaway from it, it's just so nice, you know, this film about the human condition. And you just see this little, little blurb, 
little bit of these people's lives, you know, what, two weeks? Uh, and you get a lot of takeaway. It was just, it was just a really nice film. And that's why it was my number three. Yeah, and for me, I'm biased because of everything that happened on it, the fact that I worked on it, and what it, um, what I was hoping it would have meant to uh, my family. But again, that's something we'll get into next week, uh, and that's why it was my number one. So I hope you enjoyed our lists and our explanation of our lists and everything that we uh, explained so far. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss our top characters of the year. Now, it's a top five list or a top ten list. Well, apparently we didn't get the instructions correct. I thought we were doing a top ten list like we do every year. Uh, but Patsy makes up his own rules. So. Yes, it's my show and I can do what I want. <laughs> so that's what I done did. So uh, I picked five films and... Uh, went from there so we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we're gonna get into our list larry did you press the button i have pressed several buttons you were supposed to press the record button well i don't know maybe i did press the record button i pressed all kinds of buttons this thing has more buttons than a submarine and right now you are pressing my buttons they're supposed to be a little light or something there are lots of little lights oh my <coughs> Hi, this is Linda Sugarbaker Donovan. And this is Larry Donovan, Capricorn. And we are the co-chairs of the Lazarus Nook Homeowners Association. As well as founding members of the Lazarus Nook Community Theater Group. Not to mention the stars from the upcoming It Came from the 508 Productions film, Stakes, a New England vampire story. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Lamond. We are here to invite you to our next fundraiser because we put the fun in fundraiser it is the data winter horror festival taking place at mechanics hall in worcester on sunday february 25th so make sure to get your vendor passes and vip tickets because those things are selling faster than Mima's special peach sangria at the church fair for tickets and more information go on your little phone or your computer your ipad and head on over to the dead of winter horror festival facebook group or event page and tell them linda and larry sent you back so now it's time to discuss our top characters from uh the films we saw in 2023 well not just films television yeah you know book um, comic book just characters just our characters the characters that we like so i uh did what i always do i have a bunch of uh, honorable mentions in addition to uh, my specific um, my specific choices. So why don't you start, uh, and then I'll go. We we can alternate. Okay, so where you have like five groupings, maybe like I'll give my I'll give two, two, and yeah. then you give a grouping. Yes. Okay, so my first two, number ten is. <laughs> 
It's Mona. Mona. So I discovered Mona. I think it's Moana. No, it's not Moana. <laughs> it's Mona. I discovered Mona thanks to Reels, which are like the TikTok things, but on like Instagram. Facebook and Instagram and stuff. Um, so Mona is from a Canadian children's show called oh, Manaland. That's yeah, that's that fucking thing girl. you're always singing to the yeah, cat. She's, who's that wonderful girl? Could she be any cuter? She started singing that, and she's like, oh, it's from this. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So I thought it was like some kid's show on Nickelodeon that she that watched like girl? 30 years oh, ago. look, here comes a suitor. Oh, my God. So anyways, I fell in love with this character via the these reels uh, to the point where I've been watching episodes of Nanoland on YouTube. And it is so delightful and wonderful and wholesome. And this, she's just so cute. She's just like this little green, like, she looks like a pea. <laughs> like, so weird. And she sings just, this to the cat. <laughs> I just love her so much. Hey, if it works for you, then, you know. She's so cute. Could she be any cuter? Um, no, it, it's just, it's... Really, um, I guess what happened was, I, I don't know if it was off the air or if they're still making episodes or, or, or what, whatever, whatever, but people using the songs with like the little, pu- and it, it, long story, it's puppets. You know how much I love puppets? It's fucking puppets. Who doesn't love puppets? Um, so it's it's gained a lot of popularity like worldwide now because of you know these reels and yeah so i've i've been i've been watching a canadian children's show on youtube because it makes me happy <laughs> i mean that's all that matters and she does this she has this little scary monster costume she's like a little knitted kaiju it's just so cute She's like, who's this scary monster? And she's just like, ah. <laughs> just, just, no, just like that. It is so freaking cute. I love it. So it, Mona is my number 10. And number nine is a surprise character. A character who was part of a t- television series, my favorite television series of all time. My favorite character from that television series. When they did the reboot, this actress decided that she didn't want any part of it um but you know i i don't know how they got her but you know money talks uh and and there were a lot of people who after the first episode of the the reboot were like oh i really wish this character was there it's just not quite the same uh so they convinced Kim Cattrall to reprise her role of Samantha Jones uh, and they did it in such a way where she didn't have to be in the same room as Sarah Jessica Parker uh, but they she was in it for I don't know two minutes in the final episode of and just like that season two and let me tell you best two minutes of the entire series thus far it was so nice to have Samantha Jones back even if it's just briefly um she was perfect in her character uh they gave her a line that was just very true to her character and it was just it was just brilliant it was just so nice so she's my number nine 
So for me, I'm going to give you my uh, my number five grouping. Uh, it is Clemens, Anna, Captain Elliot, Wojciech, and Dracula from Last Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, I really loved the way these characters grew and played off of each other. Um, there was this inherent mistrust between them just to start off their relationship. And things that happened didn't really endear themselves to each other until the very end. Um I'm guessing we may see a sequel to this because of how it ended. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. Like, sometimes just let things be, um, especially since well, I mean, we it's have technically Dracula. A, it's technically a prequel to Bram Stoker's. Stoker. <laughs> That's the porn version. Sexula. Well, it's not it's not a prequel. It's just a chapter from the captain's log that they turned into a movie. Like it it really like there's no reason for this to have been made into a movie except that someone was like, "Hey, let's try and do this cuz I think it would be interesting to show Dracula in a vul- vulnerable state." But instead of that, they just the movie could have been a lot better. I loved the way Dracula looked. I loved the uh, actors that they chose for these different roles. You know, your buddy David Desmalchin. Um, David Dalmatian, excuse uh, you. Liam Cunningham, Corey Hawkins. Like, everybody did a great job. Um, my issue was, like, oh, we figured out what his weakness is. Sunlight. Well, let's just wait 12 hours till the sun goes down and we try and... Uh, try and beat him or you know instead of like trying to do something during the day, like they never did anything during the day and it made me so goddamn angry it's like why would you wait until night? like when he comes out we can try and get him or you could search on the fucking boat like there's only so many fucking places he could be he's in a goddamn boat you know this boat you've been sailing on it for decades just go search in all the fucking weird boxes that you picked up in fucking Romania and go look inside of them see if you see a, a vampire man and if you do bringing it up out into the fucking sunlight, make him dead, and then you're all good. But no, nobody does that. They're like, oh, we could try to shoot him because we're stupid. Like, all, oh, my God. So that's my first grouping of my of characters. They were great characters, but the movie was dumb. What's, what's your next two? <laughs> Sorry, I was I would just go off on a fucking tangent because so much so much no, got ruined. You- Oh, one of the best portrayals of Dracula, too. I love the way he looked. Uh, so my number eight character, I actually have two characters for this. And when I tell you, it's going to make sense because it's difficult to pick just one. Um, these two characters were involved in a recent, uh, well, I should say a new, a new um television show and they were only involved really in this one episode and this one episode oh my god possibly the most beautiful 60 minutes of television ever created it is bill and frank from the last of us oh yeah that was the uh, best episode to the point where uh, murray bartlett and his name is that the oh, nick my, offerman nick offerman i always want to call him <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Good. Now I can't even think of his name from Parks and Rec that I usually call Ron him. Swanson. Ron Swanson. I usually call him Ron Swanson, which that's not his name, but is anyways. Nick Offerman and Nick Offerman uh, went on to win the Emmy Award for uh, best uh, guest actor in a television series for this. Both Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman were nominated for the same, but um, yeah, it was just oh, it was. The way that they were able to tell this beautiful story uh, in the midst of all the chaos of a zombie apocalypse, um, it was just so beautifully done and so touching and like just everything about it was just so, again, it was just so nice. It was a really nice thing. Um, And then number seven on my list is Roman Roy from Succession. Succession had its final season this past year. Um, We got to say goodbye to the Roy family. And let me tell you, that last episode, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who did not have the opportunity to see it, but that last episode was so unsatisfactory for 98% of the characters involved, pretty much Everyone whose name is not Roman Roy, uh, but it was so satisfying for Roman Roy. I think that that was the perfect ending for that specific character. And Kieran Culkin, for him to finally get his flowers for this role, because, you know, everyone else has been getting their flowers for the past, you know, three seasons. But for this fourth season, for him to finally get his flowers as as Roman Roy and for people to see, you know, what he brought to this character, I I thought uh, it's just it's just so overdue about damn time. But uh, but but yeah, Roman Roy, I mean, and if you haven't seen Succession, if you have any any want to do so, go for it. Yeah, some of the business jargon might go right over your head, but the character development is so good and the interactions and even though you may not understand what some of these characters are talking about, like you can understand subtext and tone and, you know, they do such a good job at delivering these lines and this family of they're a family and they, they they love each other, but they're really just waiting to stab each other in the back when the time is right. So, He's come a long way from uh, drinking Pepsi and pee in the bed. Yeah, Fuller. Mm-hmm. Don't sleep with him. He wets the bed. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so what's next on your list? Uh, so you might see a theme with the last two, but uh, or for that one and this one, but this one is... Uh, Dracula, Renfield, and Rebecca from uh, Renfield. Um, I'm not the biggest Aquafina fan, but I really, really enjoyed her character in in Renfield. Uh, I love Nicholas Holt, everything he's in. I'm just a huge, huge fan, um, especially when I'm not con- not uh, confusing him with Ed Screen. Um, but and, and of course. You know, something that has uh, Nicolas Cage as Dracula, just absolutely unhinged, pure Nick Cage. Um, I fucking love it. Um, I thought Renfield was one of the funnier movies I got to see this year. And just everything about it was great. I kind of like when you take characters who are specifically... um, kind of like pigeonholed for a specific time period and you kind of take them out of that time period and put them somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I obviously I'm not coming up with any other uh, uh, examples of this at, at the, in this second, but, you know, taking characters that are like, 
you know, at home in the 1700s and 1800s and then all of a sudden, like, giving them cell phones and, and you know, access to, you know, modern amenities. Um, I also really enjoy when Nick Cage gets to play characters like this where he can just kind of go. It's, it's almost like, hey, Nick Cage, just just do what you feel is right. Like, there have been a few over the last <laughs> like, couple of years where he has gone from, like, absolute mani- – like, this, Willy's Wonderland, uh, Mandy – where he's been able to be like peak cage, but then he has these other ones where it's like pig and um, what's the one we just, the dream scenario, dream scenario. I was like, what dreams may come. I'm like, that's not it where he's more level headed and subtle cage. Yeah. Subtle cage (laughs) as opposed to balls to the walls. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy a dinosaur skeleton to keep in my castle, Nick cage. But like, I would a hundred percent be friends with Nick cage. Like that needs to happen at some point, but those are my, that's, that's number four. So, uh, what's number. uh... Okay. So number six on my list is probably one of my favorite things that I watched last year. I could not get enough of this. Uh, Madeline Usher from fall of the house of Usher. Mm, And the reason why I chose Madeline over Roderick was I found that her character just appealed more to me. I thought she was the more interesting of the two. She was definitely more of the mastermind behind everything, where Roderick was the one who got married and had all of these children, and you know, uh, almost like you know, he felt his job was to produce an heir or something. Even though, it, when you, if, if if you know, you know, it's fucking stupid. Um, but anyways, I just I thought she was really the mastermind behind everything, and she. Knew what she was getting into and she is the one who made things happen and i also thought i mean aesthetics wise like she was definitely like the coolest looking character too you know just the suits that she wore with the hair and everything and i really liked the fact that we got to see um younger versions of these characters as well you know piecing two parts of the story together uh i just found her very very fascinating and the fall of the house of usher is definitely something that we're going to be discussing uh at some point this year because it's definitely something worth dissecting and there are so many solid characters um within that miniseries that definitely worth talking about because it's just so good it was so good you know when you're 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 watching something and you're just like oh you know just one episode and then you finish that one episode and you're like oh my god okay one more you know it's that like you you just want to devour it all at once but at the same time you know that once it's gone it's gone so you're trying to practice a little bit of self-control and break it off piece by piece versus eating the whole thing at once like that was me with this series because it was just so good Number five on my list is Elspeth Catton from Saltburn. That's Rosamund Pike's character. And I could have easily chosen a bunch of characters from that film because, you know, everyone did such a phenomenal job at portraying who they were portraying. But there's something about Rosamund Pike's character that I just fell in love with. She's 
effervescent and just the ease that she brings to this character, this slight uppityness that she has while sharing stories of her past as a model, hanging out with all of these British bands and stuff. It's just, uh, it's very elite and very upper class and upper crust uh, with just a little bit of stank on it. And if you know, you know, um, it's just it's so good. It's it, her character is just absolutely divine. And uh, no divine was in the holdovers. Um, but anyways, yeah, I it's the type of character that as an actor, I hope to have the opportunity to play someday because it's, she's just so fascinating and what she says she's like uh, she's she's walking hypocrisy but at the same time she doesn't care and it's just uh, yeah I really hope to have the opportunity to play a character like that someday because it looked like it was a lot of fun so for me uh, my number three group see I thought we were just doing movies so that was uh, my when thought. do we just do movies I, I don't, don't know we always do top 10 I'm sorry are you new yes 327 episodes in yeah your but first not, day? not for several months like I, I I've been busy I outlined that at the beginning of the episode because I would have I would have gone with some usher people because that was a really good series um, but that's fine we'll we'll end up talking about that down the road and um, because actually, you know what? I'm gonna add Mark Hamill to my honorable mentions. So, um, my number three character grouping: uh, Barbie, Ken, Gloria, and Sasha. I was trying to read this. I'm like, what the hell, Gibria? Because I wrote the L and the O next to each other, so it looked like Gibria. Uh, but no, Barbie, Ken, Gloria, and Sasha. Uh, Gloria was uh, America Ferreira's character, and she gave maybe the best monologue I've heard in the last five years um, in that film. Um, Barbie and Ken as uh, Margot Robbie and, and Ryan Gosling's version, because there were a lot of Barbies and a lot of Kens. Um their back and forth, the chemistry that they had between each other was absolutely phenomenal, and I loved it. Um, I'm sure you have them somewhere on your list. Yes. And, you know, we'll let you delve into it a little bit more because you have seen the movie more than I have, and you probably have a lot more to say about them. But that's my number three grouping. I thought they were awesome. I really enjoyed how they all interacted, and... That's uh, that's where I'll stand on that. So I'm going to give you my number four because my three, two, one are all characters from the same film. So I'm going to talk about those together because it just makes sense. So my number four is Godzilla. Homegirl has had quite the year, okay? We're talking Godzilla minus one. We're talking the trailer for Godzilla and Kong, the new empire. We're talking fucking Monarch, the Apple Plus series. Like, Godzilla is just living her best life this year, and she deserves it, okay? Like, she absolutely deserves it. Um, I think the design for the Minus One Godzilla may be one of the coolest Godzilla designs that we've seen. Oh, yeah, especially the uh, Atomic Kablamo. However... 
when the design for the Godzilla for the Godzilla and Kong film coming out this 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 year uh girl I almost lost my wig okay because the pink hair hello I am here for it here for it I'm very eager to see uh what caused that evolutionary change in Godzilla. I'm hoping that they address it. Oh, they're going to. Um, it's the crystals and, in the hollow earth. And and girl, I love what you did to your hair. Yeah. Uh, side I'm note. I'm here for it. I'm... I was very disappointed because uh, Super 7, uh, the website, had um, they, they had pre-orders for um, the Godzilla Minus One figure. And so I pre-ordered it because it's going to be awesome. Um, and then they just released the Godzilla minus one minus color figure, and it sold out before I had a chance to order it. Uh, pretty bummed because I would have bookended the two of them. Yeah, well, who's to say? Maybe we have a chance to get it at but some point in the future. I but... will say this because not everybody is aware of this. The first Godzilla movie came out. In 1954, which makes this the 70th anniversary, so you know there are going to be some interesting Godzilla figures coming out, and I'm hoping that we get something similar for that. Godzilla 70 this year. 70 this Bitch year. Looks good. Um, lots and lots of different plastic surgery. Like you can't like when they were born compared to now you can't even tell the difference bring on the kaiju like all of the kaiju yeah. just i just want it all from what i've heard it. i love what i've seen so far i'm going to be seeing all of it just just give it to me from what I'm i've heard uh this is they're going to have more monsters in this than in any other movie and one of the things that i really liked about that i don't know why we're still talking about godzilla but um because he's awesome <laughs> but like um sometimes the internet can be a good thing. So like this that weird little dude that we saw eat the crab monster in Godzilla versus Kong in the Hollow Earth. Uh people were just calling him like, "Oh, that's Doug." He has officially in canon his name is Titanus Doug and in the toys he is going to be with the little mini Kong. Name I forget what his name is. It's like Seku or Seco or something like that. Uh, I might be completely off. Um, like, as a pet to the little orangutan, oh, like that's his dog. Like, so beware of Doug. Doug. Which is like the uh, there was a um, a Far Side cartoon that said that it was like a guy kind of like peeking around a corner and there was like a sign in the front yard that said beware of Doug and he's kind of like looking so instead of beware of Doug and so that would be that would be this so let me get to uh, my number two because it kind of ties into what you were just saying uh, Noriko Oishi Koichi Shikashima Sosaku Tachibana Kenji Noda and Shiro Mizushima uh, the principal characters outside of Godzilla from Godzilla minus one. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, despite the fact that, you know, normally we don't care about the people. Um, this movie is the first one that really made me care about who these people were. Um, I loved 
every single one of them. I loved their portrayal. I loved how they interacted with each other, their selflessness, their love for one another. They were just amazing. Uh, and the fact that the uh, the three, the, the two main characters and the director all went to the Japanese Oscars. Uh, I, I forget what they, like the Film Institute or something. I forget exactly what their their version is called. Uh, in matching Godzilla shoes. Like, they all had, like, kaiju, <gasps> like, claw that. shoes. Oh, it was amazing. Um, they had kai shoes. Kai shoes, yes. Uh, Galashzillas. <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, they, they all, um, they were so good. Like, you actually gave a shit about these people. So, that's my uh, number two uh, grouping. Also, I need a nap. Uh, so now you're gonna yawn. I know. Well, you yawned, and I just thought, hey, that's a really good idea. Uh, me, neither of us have been it. sleeping. Well, like, like we said, we're super busy. We'll sleep when we're dead, apparently. That's not how sleep works, and anybody who says that is uh, incorrect. Anyways, uh, my number three, two, one, they're all from the same movie, so I'm just going to get them all out in one go. Three is Bar uh, Margot Robbie. I was going to say Barbie as Margot Robbie. Kind of correct. Uh, Bobby as Robbie? <laughs> Margot Robbie as Barbie. My number two is Ryan Gosling as Ken. And my number one character of this past year is Michael Sarah as Alan from the Barbie movie. I nearly put Alan in there. Um, but I knew you were going to put it, so I was just like, you know what? No. And you bet your plastic ass that we're going to be talking about the Barbie movie in the next couple of weeks, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking about these characters. But uh, I will say this. Margot Robbie was born to play Barbie, and I think anybody else would not have brought such humanity to the Barbie role. No, and uh, I also, you have to give a shout-out to Helen Mirren as the narrator. Like, that scene where she's like, oh, I'm so worried that I'll never be pretty. It was like Margot Robbie was the wrong person to to have this line or, like, to, be, to, to send this message. So, like, yeah, she was uh, – I, I agree. Well, I had them on my list. You like, know, um, Ryan Gosling as Ken, I mean – he may have been well he was definitely one of my favorite parts of the film and it was because he played the role with such conviction it could have been silly it could have been stupid but he took it seriously he knew what he signed up for he brought so much heart to the role and that whole beach scene musical number bit just uh like i like the owl kitty remix <laughs> um but yeah, they that may have been like one of the best things I saw last year. Obviously, Barbie was my favorite film of the year. Um, but yeah, what what brought Ryan Gosling brought to his character as Ken was something really special, and it wasn't just the appearance. Like he was really committed to the role. He was committed to telling the story, and he was committed to supporting the women both in front of the camera and on the crew as well. Like that's a big thing, you know. He gives props where props is due, and that's a class act right there. Um, but my favorite character of the year is Michael Sarah as Alan. With all of the gay homosexual undertones that Alan brings, he was such a perfect... The gay homosexual? Like, uh, gay, like, you, uh, just 
let me talk. Just that me... used to be an insult when I was a kid. You're a gay homosexual. So I'm straight? Like, I don't understand what that is. The queer undertones that Alan that's possesses. Better. Is that better? Does that work for you? It's it's not like, that's like when someone's like, oh, I got up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I know 3 a.m. is in the morning. You don't have to tell me that. Like, gay homosexual, like, either of those word works. Queer works, too. Thank you. Can I can I finish? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Um... No, I, I think that he just, that character was just so correct for who Alan is. I love the fact that they, A, put him in the movie amongst this cast, um, but B, allowed this character to be uh, what this character, I mean, when Alan first came out, Alan was described as, quote, Ken's buddy. End quote. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I really appreciate the queer undertones of the film as a whole. I mean, to be fair, Ken, there were never undertones. It was overt overtures. It's like, oh, magic necklace Ken. Was that what it's the magic necklace or whatever? Magic earring Ken. The one where he has he has the cock ring. Well, he would, didn't have the cock ring in the film. No, but that would have been amazing. And Sugar Daddy Ken. Sugar's Daddy. Yeah, excuse me, it's Sugar's Daddy. Yes. Yeah. See, I know. I paid attention. Like that was like, it's like, hey, look, it's Ken. It's like, hmm. And uh, what's Ken's role in all of this? It's Barbie's buddy. Well, no, Ken is Barbie's boyfriend. Ken is Ken's boyfriend. They definitely allude to that a bit, quite oh, a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyways, Alan is Ken's buddy, and he can fit in his clothes. That was the selling point for Alan. And Michael Sarah did a fantastic job of capturing that. I mean, that's, that's impressive. I barely fit into my own clothes. So, like, I'm not going to try to wear somebody else's. Um. So is that is that yeah, it? Yeah, go you... ahead. Yeah, because we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks anyway. So go ahead and. All right. So my number one is Paul Hunnam, Angus Tully, and Mary Lamb from The Holdovers. Uh, again, we're going to be talking about this next week, so I won't get into too much detail. But the on-screen chemistry that they had was equaled only by some of the off-screen chemistry that they had. Um, just all three of them are phenomenal people. Um, I had very little interaction with Dominic uh, throughout the, the the filming process, but still, at you know when we wrapped filming that last day, he came up and hugged me and thanked me for everything that I did. So that was amazing. Um, I didn't expect it, but um, yeah. Again, we'll get into it um, next week. But um, who are your honorable mentions? I don't have any. Unacceptable. All I, right, so I, I'll do... I followed the rules this time. I didn't have any honorable mentions. There's always honorable mentions. Have you ever done a list on this show? Fine. I guess all my right, I'll... Hon... fine. You know, my honorable mentions are Oliver and Felix from Saltburn. Um, it's Felix. It's Felix. <laughs> Not quite. Felix Fishwater. Uh, all of the kids from the House of Usher. 
Mm. Because each kid, like the way that they set up that series, each child had its own. You know that everyone dies. Because that's that's the story. It's the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, But each child, each character gets its own episode. And so you learn so much about that character in that one episode. And then obviously they're ultimately offed at the end of the episode. Like every single episode has such payoff. Like it's, it's just... It's a, it, it's an easy series to just indulge on because of that. And you, you know? have to watch it a couple times because there's a lot of really good uh, stuff that you'll miss. Mm. And if you are like me, you read a lot of Poe's stuff, like, you can kind of, like, it's like, oh, this is what happened in the book. And, like, they don't do exactly what happens in the stories, but it's like, holy shit, like... Especially the chimp. That one, that was the one that's uh, Murders of the Rue Morgue. Whew. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and hold on. I'm getting my last one. So if we had done a top 10 of films for 2023, this film definitely would have been on it because it was such a mind fuck in the best possible way uh it came out early 2023 it's infinity pool with alexander skarsgård and mia goth i still haven't Um, watched that and uh that was the way she kicked off the year (laughs) um anyway mia goth's character gabby bauer is definitely a very interesting character actually like the the main characters of that are very interesting um you know james foster that skarsgård's character he's also a rather interesting character and goes through quite this evolution um, that is rather, uh, we'll say noteworthy, uh, for lack of better term. But uh, but yes, okay. So those are those are my honorable mentions. Now, yours. All right. So mine, uh, my honorable mentions, and I'll just give a quick rundown because we did a lot of these already. Uh, Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla is one of the better characters, especially in. Uh, minus one, which again we'll be discussing more. Uh, cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear was one of my the favorite bear, characters. The bear from Cocaine the Bear. The bear from. <laughs> there was a legitimate motivation for this character. There was real uh, stakes. There was a reason that she behaved the way she behaved. Um, Charlie from Finest Kind, uh, Toby Wallace's character. Um, I thought that. He was really good, and again, having worked on that film and having you know worked with Toby Wallace, who plays Charlie, uh, he was a really great person, uh, very down to earth. Like even at one point, ended up like serving soup to people in between uh, filming, like helping out the 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 craft services folks. Um, Arthur Pym. From Follow the House of the uh, of of the Usher, F- the Fall of the House of Usher. I was adding an extra the. Uh, Mark Hamill's character as the family lawyer, he was awesome. He was so good. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss from Oppenheimer. Yeah. Like the presumptive Academy Award winner for uh, best supporting actor, he was so fucking good. Uh, he was the best part of that movie. Yeah, and that that says something. When you're in a cast of 
that many, you know, of of that many caliber actors. A lot of Oscars, a lot of gold in, and not just you know, so many. That's what I said. That's, that's, so that's exactly many. what I just said. A lot when of bunches. Just, just so many. Um, when you are in a cast, you know, of 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 actors who have accrued a lot of accolades, and you're the standout, that says something. Yeah, and again, it just shows that, you know, if you think you're in a low place, and you think you, you know, you're you've you've hit bottom you can get yourself out of that and you can move on i mean this dude was in prison i was gonna say robert downey jr's his comeback story is definitely one for the books you know it's a it's rather inspiring like he was a star then he went to prison for drugs then he got out and became the biggest fucking star on the planet and then after that went on to to be nominated for an Oscar. But, you know, it also says something towards giving people a second chance. Yeah, don't just write somebody off. You know, don't take people at face value. Um, sobriety is attainable and achievable. Yes. Um, and you can become, a, if, if, you, if you're not happy with yourself and who you are and where you're at in your life currently, you can work to become a better person you know you can you can work to you know better your situation and it also you know people need to take chances on more people like that too yeah and i think that you know the other thing is it's not too late to start on a new journey like mm-hmm. the thing i saw the other day um J.R.R. tolkien did not start writing the lord of the rings till he was 45 just throwing that out there. Well, I mean, people think that you have to kind of rush into things at a young age. You need to know, you know, immediately after you graduate high school or oh, before college, that, you have to be to, 16 to start know, filling out your you college wanna, applications. What you want to do, like who you want to be and stuff like that. You know, we really don't allow much room for for personal growth and discovery and development. And, you know, I, I like to think of life as a play. It's 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 split up into multiple acts you know um and however many acts you you it, it's really however many acts you want it to be you know there there isn't a, a definitive you know amount you know like well i only have three acts so i gotta make the most of this one because by the time i get to my next one that's it you know it's not like that you know you can you can take the the time the opportunity to learn something else learn more about yourself like it's never you're never too old and it's never too late to learn and just to, try something new and to establish goals and to set off to actually try to achieve those goals. Yeah. So I have two more on my honorable mentions. Oh my God, Patrick. And I saved these for last uh, because they were, uh, despite everything I said, my favorite characters of the year, uh, Killian and Vicky from my my short uh these are two people who uh had never acted before and one of them mark who played killian uh old man wade had never been on a set before and they both absolutely crushed it um i've gotten feedback from 
a lot of different film festivals, and we're waiting to hear from a few more about whether or not we get accepted. But uh, people were reenacting some of the scenes, um, so that's just a testament to them and how good they were. So uh, that's our list. Uh, hopefully, you have a, a similar list or a completely different list. You know, it's fine, whatever you want to do. But uh, we're gonna take another quick break. When we come back. We're going to wrap things up, give you what we're looking forward to in 2024 uh, as far as uh, movies and shows and things that are coming out. And uh, then we'll give you, let you know what we're doing next week. And uh, yeah, so we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon. This is Emma. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon. Hi guys, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. And you're listening to Patsy the Angry Nerd and Ashes Von Nightmare. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble on for almost an hour and a half about stuff that we liked from last year. But like that's what happens when you take four months off. You uh, accumulate a lot of stuff to talk about. And we only barely scratched the surface. Like we could still be going on the getting into character section. So you're welcome. Uh, we decided we're going to parse this <laughs> out. Say, Patsy's practicing restraint here. So yeah, we're gonna we're, we decided to <laughs> be quick about some of the stuff, and you know we're going to talk about it more in depth over the coming weeks and months, and uh, we're going to sprinkle in some of the stuff that we're really looking forward to, um, especially uh, these things coming up. But do you want to go first? I have twenty things on my list. Okay, well I have five. Because oh, I, I thought we were doing a top five things of what we're most looking forward to. Uh, so number five on my list is Joker Folie Deux. I have that. That's number 15 on my list. That comes out October 4th. Um, I'm really looking forward to that, obviously, because Gaga's in it. And uh, also, I really liked Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. So I'm kind of interested in, you know, A, seeing more of that, B, seeing Gaga as Harley Quinn, and C, the fact that it's a fucking musical. I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just interested in all of that. Uh, number four on my list is Godzilla and Kong: The New Empire. That's we number three on my list. Talked about that. April twelfth. Um, just very excited. Uh, number three on my list is Argyle. Number two on my list. Well, not because of it's just chronological. That's okay. why. Okay. Okay. Well, anyways. February second. Um, that comes out next saw, Friday. Um, we saw a trailer for that. Uh, Godzilla. Yeah, but but I feel like we saw it. I, We've seen it a couple of times. Um, we saw it over the summer too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's just you ever see a trailer and you just get really excited. That that was us with with Argyle's trailer. Sam Rockwell, like you had me at Sam Rockwell. I just really like the cat. Yeah, his name is uh, Doctor Fluffy Pants. Uh, number two on my list is Maxine. 
which is finally not on my se- list. Well, it's also it doesn't have a release date yet. It just says 2024. Uh, it is the last installment of the Ty West Mia Goth trilogy. So first we got X, and then we got Pearl. And so Pearl is the prequel to X, and then Maxine is the sequel to X. And I love this universe that they created. I'm really interested in more. And I fucking, I loved X. And I really enjoyed Pearl, too. Pearl was fantastic. So I'm kind of very interested to see where this story goes. And number one on my list is Robert Eggers' Nosferatu that comes out later on this year. That's on my list. That's uh, Christmas. Yes. Christmas. Yes. So, especially with the cast info, his friends and call stuff, him Bobby Eggs. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by that. So, most of mine are in order, uh, as far as like chronological, except for the last one. I'm not sure when that one comes out. I just saw the trailer, and it wasn't on like the upcoming thing. Uh, and that's uh, the Dev Patel directed Monkey Man. Uh, which looks fucking incredible. If you haven't seen it, look up that trailer. It's uh, produced by Jordan Peele, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, One of them is already out. Um, I haven't had a chance to see it. Uh, ISS, it's about World War III breaking out, uh, and you have a Russian crew and an American crew on board a uh the international space station and like they can see the bombs and shit going off on earth and they are each instructed to kill their counterparts and take over the international space station for their government so like that's going to be wild uh obviously argyle is next godzilla versus kong april 12th the fall guy which comes out in may uh, it's a Ryan Gosling film. Uh, it's about a stuntman who left the business to focus on his physical and mental health, but comes back into service when the star of this huge movie that's being directed by his ex goes missing. So he's got to go and like track her down. Like he's a stuntman, but now he's also got to be like fucking Brian Mills from Taken. Uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I love the Planet of the Apes films. I just rewatched the original five or six, whatever, um, a month or so ago. I really liked the new trilogy that came out with um, Andy Serkis. And I guess this is supposed to take place hundreds of years later. Um, then Furiosa looks really, really good. Um, not as good as Fury Road, but this is the Fury... Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is playing the younger version of Charlize Theron's uh, Furiosa character from Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, Ballerina, which takes place in the uh, John Wick-iverse. I forget who is playing the ballerina. Let me look that up. Anna de Armas, who I like, so I think she's going to be really good in that. Um, Twisters, the sequel to the, the... film Twister with Bill Paxton and, and uh, uh, Helen Hunt uh, bringing back a lot of the same crew unfortunately um, no reprisal of role for Philip Seymour Hoffman or Bill Paxton who we tragically have lost since that movie came out uh, Deadpool 3 on July 26th I don't even need to get into why that's going to be amazing Alien Romulus in mid-August um, I love the Alien films I love Alien Everything, and from what I understand, this is a, a TV series that is going to ignore 
both Covenant and Prometheus and make it uh, this is just an apex predator. The Xenomorph is an apex predator. It is not a genetically engineered bioweapon uh, from what I've been reading about. So I think that's going to be a good take on it. And I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of the Sony Spider-Man-verse movies. And no, I'm not talking about Madam Web. I'm talking about Craven the Hunter, because that looks fucking awesome, and it's going to be brutal as hell. Uh, I also like Aaron Taylor-Johnson, not to be confused with Anya Taylor-Joy, two totally different people. Um, Transformers 1, that comes out on our anniversary. Uh, I love the Transformers movies. Don't give a shit. Watch the... Uh, the Beast Wars one that came out last year with Ron Perlman and, and Peter Dinklage. Um, I liked it. I thought it was fun. Like, all of these movies are, are a lot of fun. Like, the effects are amazing. Um, I'm interested to see. This is like a prequel, like the Battle of Cybertron and everything. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Soxie, uh, the 11th Saw movie, comes out on September 27th. I'm looking... You just call it Soxy? Yeah, well, the last one was Socks, so this one is Soxy, <laughs> right? Like, am I wrong? Um, well, I have to look this one up because I don't remember what this one was about. Uh, oh, alternate, uh, which just says October. Uh, as a lethal virus threatens to wipe out the human race, a scientist and an alien team up to risk a perilous journey to a parallel dimension to re retrieve the cure before time runs out. And uh, I don't know any of the folks that are in it, but that sounds really awesome, and it sounds like a type of movie that I would really, really watch. Uh, then we've got Joker, The Wolfman. So apparently they're trying to continue the dark universe uh, from Universal. I don't remember who is in this. Uh, let's take a quick look. The Wolf Man. Uh, Christopher Abbott, Julia Gardner. Um, no, that's not the one I want. Oh, no, it is. Uh, Lee Winnell uh, is directing that. So should be pretty good. The Evil Within comes out on Halloween based on the survival horror game for PlayStation 4 and 5 uh, of the same name. This one, this is going to be fucking brutal, and I'm very much here for it. Venom 3 in November. I love the fucking Venom movies. Again, I love the uh, Sony Spider-Verse. I enjoyed Morbius. I don't care if you did or not. More Morbius for me. Um... And then uh, Monkey Man, which I mentioned. I'm not sure when that one comes out, but uh, I'm very much excited for that. And, of course, everything that we're working on, um, very much looking forward to seeing the final products there as well. We have a bunch of film festivals we're attending, and a couple we're judging. Um, we're going to have... judging? Well, I am. I'm sure you'll be asked as well at some point. I love judging. And you're very judgy. Judgy wudgy was a bear. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, attending these film festivals, especially where our films will be in these film festivals, uh, I'm very eager to watch you react to the audience reacting to your film. You know, I'm not going to lie. That must be a really cool feeling. Well, you're going to find out in less than a month, so... 
And like, I'm so excited cheap, for you. you know, like, I know how I feel watching other people's films and, you know, watching in awe as to, you know, what they were able to accomplish or the dialogue that they wrote or the special effects that they were able to do, the practical practical effects that they were able to do. Um you know, especially these films that I just, you, you, when you go to a film festival, you're not going to like everything. Um, but I tend to like a lot of things. And certain films I really in, enjoy, you know, have a lot of fun with. And that's the ultimate goal, I think, for, from, I, I just, I just want people to have fun. I just want to make people laugh. Um, so I just that that that's what I'm setting out to accomplish with my film. I'm not trying to change the world. I just want to take your brain off of life for for five minutes and make you laugh and maybe cringe a little bit. Um, but uh, but but yeah, but that must be such a cool feeling, you know, to be a filmmaker sitting in a film festival and, you know, watching your film come up on screen and sitting in, you know, you're you're in the audience just absorbing the reactions of your peers around you, you know, to your film. Like, that must be such a cool feeling. I can uh, say that it is. And I'm, like I said, I'm very, very excited for you to experience this yourself because I know how I felt and how you have supported me. So I'm excited to return the favor and be there for you when you uh, inevitably... uh, ruin all your makeup from crying at the response ah no 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 homegirl is not going to ruin her makeup because shit is shellacked and waterproof well either way i ain't no rookie ochre i don't know what that means but (laughs) i don't what kind of okra like fried okra? exactly exactly um but uh but yeah so we have a lot of stuff a lot of fun stuff we'll coming keep up you year. updated as we go um, along and yeah because obviously we love to share it with you guys because you're our family and we love you yeah uh so next week we're gonna be discussing the holdovers following week we're gonna be discussing uh barbara and you know, those are going to be some fun episodes. If you have any questions, especially if you've seen the holdovers, you have any like behind the scenes stuff you want to know about, or you have any like production questions, I can actually answer them um, because I was there a lot and I interacted with everyone. Um, so if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. It would actually be pretty cool. Um, and I think with that being said, We We will will see you next Thursday. Thursday.